being responsible for booking travel as a as a student assistant for a team that's got that's a lot of responsibility that that had to been crazy yeah but it tells you how small merrimack was at the time had, you know, <laughs> 19 year old sophomore booking flights for road trips but yeah, it, was, yeah. it was just it was part Tech Hockey Guide presents the Chasing McNaughton Podcast, covering the Michigan Tech Huskies and the CCHA with your host, Tim Brown, Rob Gilreath, Dustin Lindstrom, and Matt Cavender. Welcome to episode six of season four of the Chasing McNaughton Podcast presented by Tech Hockey Guide. I'm Tim Brown, your host, and I'm joined this week by Dustin Lindstrom. Hey everyone, Rob Gilreath. Hey guys, and Matt Cavender. Hello, everybody. With Matt's recent article on the David Johnstone story and everything else swirling around Mel Pearson and everything that's happened over the last year, we decided to reach out to Mike McMahon from College Hockey News. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else. What else is on the byline? Neutral Zone. And what's your uh, your newsletter called? I forget. Uh, College Hockey Insider. College Hockey Insider. So we reached out to Mike McMahon from all those different places to kind of talk about this. You kind of came up in our podcast a couple weeks ago. um, And uh, Harrison apologized after the fact when we realized that he was, he thought that the newsletter came from Jess and then we realized it was you. So, um, because it was a little confusing about the way you commented on his story, but we'll get into that. So, we brought him in here to talk about all that stuff. We'll talk about the tech series with Bemidji State, the upcoming series with St. Lawrence. Maybe uh, Mike even has some insight into the uh, into St. Lawrence since he's over there on the East Coast somewhere. And uh, anything else you guys want to talk about? I'm sure we'll find something. We'll, we'll find something. Yeah. We'll find some. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's do the thank you notes plus a brief note from our sponsors, and we'll be back to check with chat with Mike McMahon. Fibke Dental is a general dentistry practice located in downtown Rhinelander, Wisconsin, home of the Hodag. Look online at FibkeDental.com or find them on Facebook. They do pain-free dentistry for kids, adults, people that went to great schools, and people that ended up at Northern Michigan. Stop in and say hi between 8 and 5 and tell them THG sent you. That is F-I-E-B-K-E Dental.com. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Welcome back. Let's start, uh, get right into the story with uh, with Mike McMahon. Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background? I don't think we've had you on the podcast. We haven't had many guys actually from CHN or the East Coast on the podcast yet. Yeah, no, this should be fun. Uh, thanks for reaching out. So I'm uh, I'm from the Boston area, a lot of college hockey around here, uh, obviously. I went to I went to Merrimack 20 years ago now uh, and started working with the hockey program when I was there. Their old coach, Chris Serino, um, 
was was there when I was there. I, I just happened to send him an email when I was a freshman. I said, hey, I, I'm not good enough to make your team, but I'm a student here now and I want to do something to help. So what can I do if there's anything available? And he had gotten back to me like within 10 minutes, actually, and said, hey, actually, I, I'm <laughs> looking for someone that is kind of going to be like a student assistant, grad assistant. It basically, it was someone to do hockey ops before the hockey ops position was really a thing that existed. Uh, so I did everything from video to booking travel to basically what a director of hockey ops would do. I did that for four years, the whole four years I was at Merrimack. And then through there, um, I met their, the guy that did their radio, it still does, Mike Matnick, who also worked for CHN. Uh, but CHN was just launching my senior year. So uh, he put me in touch with Adam Molden, who owned CHN when I was a senior. And that's, you know, I kind of transitioned right from when I graduated, right to going into work for them. And it's, so I've been around, <laughs> been around it for a while now. <laughs> yeah. And we appreciate having more outlets. Yeah. You don't need to bring up that 20 years ago in college thing. Uh, our, most of us, except Matt, are hitting that number here real soon, too. <laughs> if uh-huh. we have it. <laughs> it's crazy. I was thinking about it the other day. Somebody asked me, they were like, how many seasons is this for you? And I was like, doing the math, I was like, oh, my God. I'm like, 17, <laughs> I think, covering it? Like, oh, I'm like, geez, I didn't think I was that old yet. But I guess, yeah, yep. it snuck up on me. Yep. Being responsible for booking travel as a as a student assistant for a team, that's got that's a lot of responsibility. That, that had to have been crazy. Yeah, but it tells you how small Merrimack was at the time. They had, you know, <laughs> 19-year-old sophomore booking flights for road trips. But, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was just it was part i mean this was like 2002 so it was uh you know they didn't really have anybody in that position and it was it was fun it was interesting yeah before all the easy tools to book your flights too you're actually calling somebody back in those days. those days yeah <laughs> i used to have to actually yeah. call somebody i remember not just look it up on google and figure it out crap <laughs> no, and then trying to explain them too like hey um so we're gonna be traveling you know, like 25 hockey bags. Are we going to be able to check those? And going back and forth, well, what do they weigh? And this was right after 9-11 too. So like the first couple yep. of trips that I had to book, we'd get to the airport and we had like the equipment trunk and we'd get there and the, the, guy, the people from Delta would be like, You're, that's not going in the plane. That's <laughs> 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 going in the plane. <laughs> All our stuff's in there. <laughs> yeah. No, I just realized that it's been, what, 19 years and six days since I became shirtless guy? Yep, yeah, you're, you're pretty yeah. close. <laughs> See, here I am struggling with seven years since I arrived at Tex Campus. <laughs> yeah, I just got my Hall of Fame or my 100-year jersey with shirtless guy on it here this week, so I got to <laughs> ship those off to everybody that ordered them too. So I just sent out an email to everybody that got one that I'm supposed to ship to to see if I can drop it off in Houghton this weekend for them. So we'll see what happens there. But And I just asked Jeshvina if she wants to uh, pay for the rest of her jersey now since I've got it to ready to mail to her. So we've got that too. So uh, so anyway, we so, so Jess Myers did his article with Mel and then Matt did his lovely article with David Johnstone and then we've just got Connor Irgood's coverage of the and the and the and the the Wilmer Hale is it Wilmer Hayes Wilmer Hale Wilmer Hale Wilmer Hale report from uh, for Michigan about everything that went on at at Michigan or 
within the scope of the investigation. So there's a lot there to cover. We've talked about some of it before, but I guess from from your perspective, what I guess I don't even know where to start. I know you've covered a lot of it in your newsletter that we kind of hashed out a couple weeks ago, but um, I know all of us are kind of disappointed in the in the Jess Myers article and the softball that it was and the fact that he didn't seem to question anything about it other than maybe put one-liners in there about him being found uncredible at times. And it's just like, I, I, I just didn't really understand it at all, why it was framed the way it was and why he was given that plat- that unquestioned platform to kind of say whatever he wanted and get away with it. What were your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I would agree. Uh, and I and I remember writing that, obviously, at the time, too. I kind of went through went through pieces of it. I don't think I went through the entire thing in the newsletter, but I definitely kind of went through it and said, okay, let's look at some of the bigger claims that, that Mel's making here. Um, and Connor Irgood did a terrific job of doing it as well. But there was a lot of things that I felt, you know, should have been pushed back on. Uh, and again, I wasn't the one conducting the interview, so I, I almost feel out of place being like, well, if it were me, I would have said this. But, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, and Connor had been brought up the same points. There was a lot of things in there that Mel was claiming that were refuted in the report. Um, and, and especially one of the one of the biggest things that I thought was that was completely left out that shouldn't have been was the fact that while the, the, the firm, the Wilmer Hale firm that did the investigation agreed that, okay, the allegations that were brought forth in the report maybe couldn't be proved in totality they did recommend doing additional investigations into some claims that had been brought up over the course of their initial investigation. There were other claims and other allegations and other things that they had learned that they couldn't maybe do as deep of a dive on because it wasn't within the scope of that original investigation, but they had recommended to Michigan uh, that they should look into these, these things further. So while, I mean, if you want to get technical with it, you could say that, you know, he was I don't know, exonerated. It's not the right word, but you know, you could say that it wasn't proven in totality. There was a lot of kind of vagueness to their their overall findings, but I think they found enough. But I think the investigators were, were pretty clear in the report that they thought there was enough there that more should be investigated, um, especially specific claims when it came to treatment of players and and also. Um, uh, the idea that he was trying to sabotage the investigation. There were multiple times in the report where the investigators said, you know, we essentially, they said, we feel as although we were being purposely misled. So there's, there's, there's a lot of things to unpack with it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting that a lot of the claims that Mel made, I mean, he's kind of playing with words a little bit, I think in some of those explanations and it was, it was disappointing to see it not get pushed back on. Like you said, there was there was some clarification within within the story at certain things that he was saying, but I felt like there was a lot of things in there that weren't entirely true, uh, and and kind of had the truth bent a little bit, which is why I ended up writing what I wrote. Yeah, and it's not that it's the biggest part of the story at all, but the the easiest one to kind of refute or question is the whole talking about the the contact tracing stuff at the regional where they were, he kept repeating that they were told to put 
no to the question about close contact. And, and I think you and your newsletter were like, well, why didn't he ask who told them? Yeah. And it, it's a exactly. simple question. Like if it wasn't you, who told you to do that then? Like yeah. who, who's, and... who, who made that to call <laughs> yeah. that you're, that you're blaming somebody else for and claiming that it wasn't you that came up with that idea to try and keep the team as intact as you could. And, and if it wasn't about hiding it, why would you send two kids home in a car because they tested positive, like trying to hide it, basically? Yeah, and, and that was, it, it kind of, I mean, it, it was very, it was very much what I expected. Like, honestly, what was being said was what I would have expected to be said had he been given a a, a free microphone without any pushback. There really wasn't any responsibility taken for anything. I mean, not, yeah. nothing that I said over the course of that interview was like, hey, you know what? This piece I'll own. It was essentially, there was all these allegations and there was an excuse for all of them, which yep. certainly raises a red flag with me. Like, I can understand maybe there's a couple of things, uh, maybe there's a couple allegations in there that are exaggerated and this isn't the entire truth and this is what is it. I can believe things like that, that things get distorted and, and whatnot, but <laughs> all of them, yeah, you know, there, there was no guilt on, on any of the, on anything. I, I really have a hard time believing. Yeah. It just, it just felt like a, a circle, the wagons, everybody's against me. People didn't like the way I did things. So they tried to come at me instead of taking any ownership for any of it and just acting like, he didn't do anything wrong. And and it's obvious that he believes that or otherwise he wouldn't be showing up at practice and going to games and tweeting about it. Like it's just a matter of time that I'll be the coach again. Yeah. There was like the, if there's the little audio clip in uh, Jess's story that said something to the extent of there's going to be some things that come out that clear my name and I'm still waiting. <laughs> like, um, what I want to make clear, cause I feel like just from the bias we come from, um, I am I am happy that Mel was finally willing to speak to somebody to give his piece to somewhere and I'm happy that he's that that somebody was able to report on it but I guess where the disappointment that I have that Tim has that a lot of us have is that it was just kind of softballed to him and he was given a platform to say whatever he wanted no pushback on like any of the things that were like 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 claimed in the report it was to me it seemed almost like just went into that interview and hadn't read a word of the report or if he had read it didn't find it credible yeah and i don't i mean obviously i've been talking to jess so i don't know if that's the case or not some players were held out with injuries and, and other things because joe wants to make sure they're 100 percent, and i don't know how much the the recent news plays into those decisions, but it's nice to see that Coach Sean has a bigger picture than worrying about winning Friday and Saturday and is more worried about making sure these guys are actually ready. And I think some of it, too, was that uh, we talked about, or we'll talk about it later from the Joe show, if I don't know how many of you guys got to listen, but uh, he's talking about how a lot of the guys might have been cleared in some respect, but Joe could tell that uh, I think specifically Jed Pietola wasn't 
playing to the same level he was. So even if he's medically cleared, he just wasn't back to the level he was before his injury. And it's just good to see that, that Joe's being cautious because it's not really worth it for a 20-year-old college kid or 22-year-old college kid to sacrifice everything for one win in a college season. So it's just a lot going on with, with everything. And, and uh, it's great that David Johnstone took the time to talk to Matt and Matt managed to parse out a story on that and kind of tell all of us what's going on. And, you know, it's just been a lot to hear and, and, and see and know. And I, we've heard some rumors over the years, especially after Mel left about how Mel has been throughout his career since becoming a coach, but you don't really think about that stuff. Like I know, I know I had some friends who thought Mel was always a slimy character and I don't know if I was ever there, but you could always tell that it was a, a bit of a facade when you would talk to him, that it, he put a face on to be the coach and, and it wasn't quite real. But at the same time, like, I think you get a lot of that in, in coaching where they've got their different hats to put on and they're trying to convince kids to come and, and trying to convince boosters to keep paying and and it's just a lot to uh to to just be your authentic self all the time but i don't know it definitely is yeah i mean i think like i said before like they, they're almost salesmen, right whether it's trying to sell a kid to come to the school or like you said sell a booster to to keep on sending money into the program or even you know like like in my position it happens a lot where a team will get you know rolled five nothing or something and you you know you get the coach after the game not in a press conference but after it's over or you call them during the week and they'll be like well you know it really wasn't that bad and here's why and they're you know they're they're always they're selling they're salesmen they're selling they're selling themselves they're selling their program i mean it's kind of what it is uh and i agree with you i think it's almost hard sometimes to to sit there and go like well what, who am i talking to right now with, with any of these guys you know am i am i talking to just the guy am i talking to the the coach who's trying to make sure he gets a positive spin put on a story is he in in some cases am i talking to the coach who's trying to make sure i write something negative about another team because he thinks it's going to help his team like it's <laughs> always trying to like parse this <laughs> what type of narrative am i getting here and why uh that's it's it can it, it's difficult sometimes it's just it's a strange it's a strange um just a, a in a lot of ways, it's a strange profession, right? <laughs> right. Absolutely. And I think that's another thing that kind of frustrated me about um, the story was that um, just kind of formatted it as like a, uh, we've all, we've, we've heard the one side of the story, but let's hear the other. And I think the, the fault in that is try is, is assigning equal weight to both sides of that story because Mel is certainly entitled to speak his piece to to say what he wants to kind of speak what he believes the truth to be but at the end of the day that's one person and on the other side of that story we've got 20 plus other people plus staffers plus a high profile investigation that concluded that he wasn't found to be a reputable character so it's just there, there are the couple blurbs in there about how, like, there were times in the investigation where he didn't seem to, or he wasn't found credible, but, but it just didn't appear that way. This is there, there is another side of the story, I do suppose, but 
I don't think it's sitting on even footing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. I mean, I think it's there. There, I'm sure Mel. I mean, obviously Mel has a side. We just heard what it was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, is he entirely telling the truth? No. You know, I, I also suppose that the allegations that were made by the individuals that made them or is that are they 100% factual? Maybe not. Maybe they're embellished a little bit. Um, but when it was independently, look, it, the fact that it was independently investigated, I think tells you that at some point, the University of Michigan thought there was something there worth investigating. Because um, if not, they, they wouldn't have investigated it. I, there's a lot of what I, what I guess I would consider like the, the, the old boys club that just thinks this is just normal disgruntled people that didn't make it that are trying to get back at them and and it's nothing special and and i think it's good to see that that's not how it played out and that you know that that mel paid the price for this and it and it hopefully isn't something that's allowed to continue at other places because michigan took this step and hopefully it's it's a sign of where we're going but we also have a long ways to go to get there because it just doesn't seem like it's taken as seriously as it needs to be as quickly as it needs to be because like you said they were talking about an extension while they had this report in their hands for what three months yeah i think it was may right and everything happened in august so yeah it was about three months and and from what i mean what was kind of reported and, and other people had heard and i heard as well like it was it didn't come from the ad it wasn't even like ward manual uh, saw the reaction of the report and said, well, we still have to do something. Now we have, now I changed my mind. Now we have to do something. Uh, the impression from a lot of people is that he was pressured by his boss, the, the chancellor, president of the university, who basically, you know, to paraphrase, kind of went to him and said, hey, you're, you're either going to be on board with this or you can go with them. Type of thing. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and you, you, I, when you're presented with that sort of ultimatum, I think you get on board pretty quickly. At least I know I would. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> one thing that really shocked me about that entire ordeal as well that I don't know if it's discussed enough is that Ward Manual, until pretty much the midnight hour, was up to bat for keeping Pearson on board. And when you have that report in hand, I'm just not sure why you, you do that unless there's some skeleton in the closet that we don't even know about yet. Like, are we still swimming in the shallow end of this entire deal? You know, I mean, that's what, what dirt, what dirt does Mel have on him? <laughs> it was very strange. And, and I didn't know what to make of it during the frozen four. Um, Cause we obviously knew all this was going on during the frozen four. I mean, that's when the first thing that had come out in January. Uh, I thought it was strange at the time. And, talked about it with other media members when when michigan was eliminated ward manual was in the room and stood in the back of the press conference room as mel delivered his remarks and looked very uneasy uh just uh, maybe it's just me not reading him well but he didn't look comfortable like he looked like he was nervous it almost i read it as he's standing there going don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't like just he looked nervous <laughs> about what Mel may say in that room with the season over. And he was getting questioned about it. Connor, you're good. Question him. You know, what what do you think is going to be next for your contract? Um and Mel, of course, laughed it off and, and gave a 
um, a pretty oh, generic thing. Like, yeah, I think he said, I think he just kind of laughed and said, well, I appreciate you looking out for my livelihood, Connor, or something like that. And everybody kind of laughed. But, um, you know, he didn't look comfortable in that room. And I came away that night thinking he was, that, that Mel was going to get fired. And I thought that Ward Manuel wanted to fire Mel. And I thought at the time I was like, you know, that it looked like a guy that knew he was going to move on from his coach and was afraid his coach was going to say something in that room because maybe it's his last chance at a microphone where he could say something. Yeah. Um, nothing happened. It, it, they moved on, but it was very strange then to hear later on that, Oh, he was, he was never in the camp of we've got a fire malice. He was, you know, solely in the camp of <laughs> we're going to retain him and, and we're going to extend him. Now, of course he didn't have the report until a month after I watched that interaction take place because that was in April and I think they got the report findings in May. Um, but it was still, it was very strange at the time. It just, this, the whole thing has been very strange to kind of watch it unfold. And I don't have an answer for why Ward Manuel wanted to extend him. Like you said, having that report in hand for three months to have the takeaway be, no, we're good here. Here's your contract extension is not the takeaway I would have had. And clearly it's not the takeaway that most other people would have had. Yeah. Well, then you add to it the, um, uh, well, we had it from one of our friends in the media that 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 it sounded like basically Mel needed to win the national title to 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 basically get the to get the protection of this like basically if he wins a title all th all sins are forgiven kind of thing and he didn't win and and maybe that was part of what was going on with Ward but it still seemed odd that it took that long to to actually cut him if that was part of the deal too and maybe it was more of a if he wins it's a lot easier sell that we're going to keep him because winning solves a lot of problems but yeah uh, yeah I don't that know. was just, that was stuff we talked about amongst ourselves and with the chn crew in in boston we were sure what happens if they win this thing do you end up actually firing a coach that you know a month before just won a national title It'd be wild. It'd be, it'd be wild. It's hard, really kind of hard to believe almost. Like you said, winning does kind of cure things right or wrong. Um, yeah. So it was, it was a fascinating couple of months. And then the, the most, the eeriest part of the whole thing was just the silence afterwards to sit yeah. there and go like, nobody knows what's going on until the end of the summer. Yeah. Um, you know, it was a topic amongst coaches in Naples a couple of weeks after the frozen four. And that was one of the first things I kept asking people, you know, is, is, is Mel down there for Michigan? Is Mel not down there for Michigan? Uh, and he wasn't. He did not go to, from what I understand, he was not in Naples. He yeah. had, uh, you know, he had zoomed in to the Big Ten meetings as a couple of other coaches did. But that was, you know, people at that time were like, well, if he's not, if he's not down here, he's he knows he's done. And then other coaches were saying, well, no, he was still a part of the meeting. If he was done, he wouldn't have even got called into the Big Ten meetings where they did their league meetings. So it was, yeah. you know, talking to 30 different people who had, you know, 30 different opinions on what was going on. It was a, it was a weird, it was a weird few months. Yeah. And then the whole, not the, the not having a contract, it, like, I know we, I don't, I don't know if I saw it before I said it, but the whole Schrodinger's coach situation, it was just odd how everything went down. Cause it just kind of made it more weird that he's just sitting there without a contract. You never hear of that. Um, and a lot of people were confused about, 
and me included at the beginning about like you know he doesn't have a contract so he's fired right and it's like no i guess not like he just keeps working under the terms of the old contract without some of the the extra benefits that that come with it but basically he's still getting paid what he was it's just he doesn't he just they could fire him at any moment without having to pay him any buyout or anything and it is a weird situation all the way around how it all played out and it, it just made it all the more odd to have a whole summer and then find out that they had the report basically the whole time because we had seen like the deadline of they were supposed to have the report I think it was May 1st or something and they apparently got it May 1st and we all just sat and waited a couple more months to actually see it and hear that they actually had it because it kind of everything we were seeing back in May was and I think a lot of it too was the school just saying no we're not going to release that or taking their taking all the time that they're allowed to to drag their feet on a a freedom of information act request basically yeah yeah, and also wondering, okay, do they have it? Do they not? I mean, I was under the assumption when we weren't hearing anything in May or June or, or even, you know, probably the early part of July, my thought was, well, maybe they don't have it yet. Or maybe they received it and then the school had questions and they went back and asked the investigators to look into something else or to clarify certain things and they didn't have the full report. They didn't have all their answers in yet because – you know, my and I, I remember writing this over the summer. My thought always was, okay, when you, you get all this information and you get your report in, you have to act quickly. The guy doesn't have a contract. So you either have to decide we need to move on and hire a new coach or we need to give him an extension because there were options there that were getting gobbled up by other teams. You know, Pat Firstweiler, um, not Pat, excuse me, not Pat Firstweiler. <laughs> um, uh, who am I drawing a blank on the on the uh, Red Wings coach who went to Tampa as an assistant? Blashel. Um, Bla- yeah, Blashel. Yeah, who Blaschel, that was? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, Jeff, thank you, thank you, yeah. Jeff Blashel. Uh, you know there yeah. was talk. There was talk that Jeff Blashel would have potentially had been interested had the Tampa thing not happened. There was uh, the assistant from the Jets who was a former player. Another guy I'm drawing a blank on his name because it's late. Um, <laughs> there was rumors that he may had been interested. Oh, Brian, uh, Brian Wise, Brad Wise, Brad Wiseman, Brian Wiseman. Um, he's the one that talk- went to the Islanders and then got quietly let yeah. go right after signing, right? Exactly, yes, yeah. Uh, but there was talk that you know, were, were they just waiting for the Oilers or the, the Jets to be eliminated so that they could hire him? Like, there, there was. All these yep. theories being brought up by, by other coaches, like other coaches that I would talk to, go, well, no, this must be what they're waiting for. They want wise when they're just waiting. But over the course of all this, like potential targets to replace Mel were getting hired other places, uh, which led me and other people to believe, well, okay, either either they're not going to fire him, or they already know who they're going to hire if they have to fire him. Uh, but it was definitely strange when you saw these guys becoming available and then still nothing I mean, happened. Still nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're yeah. Going, well, as soon as the, was it the Oilers? As soon as the Oilers got eliminated, it was like, all right, now when's it going to happen? And then nothing happened. Yeah. And you're just well, like, okay. So that wasn't what they were waiting for. And it just, it, honestly, it just felt like they were waiting 
either either they were waiting or there was enough like i think ultimately what it probably ended up being was there was just there was too much disagreement between ward and the is it interim president and all like the admins basically there was not enough agreement on which way to go yeah and until the report came out but i i still don't understand how they if there was that much interest in getting rid of him, I still don't understand why they didn't like the report didn't come out sooner. And maybe that's because there was something about the report. Like I, we haven't seen it. Maybe there was some minor follow-up that, that they got that we never saw or whatever. There was some other decision. I don't know. It was very weird. All yeah. Around. And then I, I remember, like, if you remember back to, I think it was in July, maybe, when it was announced that uh, Wiseman was not going to, he was not going, oh, he would have been let go by the Islanders. Well, it, they didn't really, it didn't really say he was let go at the, at the time. It, yeah, it they just, just kind of announced the new staff, right? They just yeah, basically I mean, replaced him yeah. and didn't say boo about why he wasn't one of them anymore. Exactly. They didn't say anything. They just said, you know, as it turns out, he will not be joining the staff. And yeah. I was, I, I remember exactly, I was at my son's baseball game. We were getting ready to, to start and uh, Adam Wonen sent me a text with the, the screenshot and he was like, it's all happening. Here we go. And that's <laughs> and what then it turned always... out it was the opposite. It was Brian exactly. basically I... got in trouble a long time ago for something very similar to Mel and they didn't want to touch him, right? Like the, <laughs> it was yeah. weird but, how that. I didn't even know about that story at the time either. I mean, that had all come out. I mean. The reporting had come out in the 90s when it had happened, but I didn't know that that was a story until probably a couple of weeks later when it started to get resurfaced again. But yeah. the night that that came out and, and the Islanders released their staff, that's what everybody was like, well, this is, this is the move. Okay, he's not going to the Islanders because he's he going is back to Michigan. Yeah. Going back to Michigan. This all makes sense. Uh, and then that didn't happen, and, and you're sitting there going, well, geez, well, what is going on here? Like, what? There were so many twists and turns where I, I feel like covering it i felt like we were getting to an end of the story three different times over the course of the summer and it just never came like every time you thought you were getting a conclusion it's not even like there would be a twist you thought you'd get to a conclusion and just you were sitting there waiting for someone to end the story and nothing happened you just get silence which was which made it frustrating yeah kind of like the end of sopranos (laughs) (laughs) fade to black yeah (laughs) a summer of fade to black that's it right so so what what are, what else were your impressions from from the David Johnstone story? I'll be honest with you, that made me so sad. Uh, hearing that you know reading that story and reading what he had to go through, uh, it doesn't surprise me. Um, and I'm sure it's unfortunately not unique either. Um, either at Michigan, you know, under Mel, not even just under Mel, just in general. You know, I'm sure there's other coaches that have put players in the same position that he was put in. And it, it made me, it really made me sad, you know, reading it. And I'm glad he's doing well now, but like, just thinking about, I end up framing things this way a lot because my kids are getting older. I have a kid who's you know, almost in high school and you start to put trust in other people uh, when it comes to your kids, when they get to that age, you know, he's going to go play for a hockey coach in a couple of years. It isn't me. So like I, you have to trust someone else to take care of your kid. And it's even, more so when they're going to college and they're living away from home, it's like you really got to – you're trusting that hockey coach to take care of your kid. I, I talk to parents of players all the time, and 
when it comes to like, well, why did you pick the school you went to and everything? And if you talk to the parents, the parents are all, it always to the parents comes down to, you know, I trust this coach. I trust this coach that I'm sending my son to. Um, yeah. So knowing that that had happened in his case, like it made me sad for the, the, the situation he went through, but I can't even imagine like what his parents must be thinking too, going like, geez, you know what we, here we are thinking we put you in a positive situation and clearly that was not the case. Like, it's just, it's a sad, sad story. And I don't, the thing that really bugs me out is I don't think it was, I don't think it was unique, especially if you go back even further, if you go back in a kind of the late nineties and early two thousands, I think that was just the norm. Like, you know, you're not that hurt. You can play this weekend. Let's go. Or the, the story he tells when he's you know getting rushed to the emergency room and, gets the here's the the comment after the game of you know i think he'll be back in the lineup real soon it just it puts pressure on the kid to come back you you don't even know how hurt the kid is he hasn't even been to the doctor yet and you're you're saying i think he should be back real soon it puts pressure on the kid because what happens if he doesn't come back real soon now everyone's going well geez he's not you know he's he's a bad teammate he's he's not tough he's not this he's not that it's uh, it just it it merely bummed me out reading it because I felt bad I felt bad for I felt really bad for him reading the situation that he had to go through. There's no other reaction you can really have to it. Yeah, it was really tough to listen to him. I I when I talked to him, I knew that it was going to be a uh like relieving experience for him because I knew that he just had to get that off his chest. He told me several times that he was saying things to me that he hasn't even said to his therapist just because his therapist is somebody that's farther removed from the situation, doesn't know what it's like to be on campus there, doesn't know hockey. So there are just some, some we were able to get a couple layers deeper than we were even able to get this therapist. So it was, it was tough to sit there and listen to him. It was tough to put it into words. And then once where they were in words, it was tough to not editorialize it a lot because this is one guy's story, but uh, he comes across so genuinely that I just I believed every word he said. Like it's maybe like maybe he isn't a trustworthy person. I I did not get that impression at all, but I just wanted to be sure that I could tell his story the the best that I could with what I had, and it was it was very draining. It took like, it took a solid few weeks for me to write. These guys will tell you I missed a couple podcasts just because took so much out of me but it was it was just how tough it was to listen to I couldn't even imagine how tough it was to live that yeah I can imagine and I, and I even wonder too like what what has the experience been like the last couple of years because until recently he probably I have to imagine he probably felt like he couldn't even tell his story because Mel's at Michigan he's the head coach of the University of Michigan so it's like you're, you're going to tell this story and and you know, if it were to get out while he's in the good graces of people, you're going to have, I'm sure you'd have players jumping these defense. Like you, you almost kind of feel trapped of like for the longest time now for the whole, really the whole period of time that he's been at Michigan, he's probably felt like he's had to sit there in silence because what, what, what are you going to, what am I going to say? He's the head coach at Michigan. Not that he can affect your life anymore because you don't play for him, you know, well, he's it's, out it's, of your, your yeah, orbit. But he's like, got to be concerned about the same reaction we got to our piece yeah, about the yeah. GLI where it was, oh, you're just a bunch of disgruntled Michigan tech people that are upset. Exactly. He left instead of taking it on face value that like, we didn't, this is the truth. Like I, I like, 
Yeah, but like I didn't write a bunch of articles saying Mel's a piece of crap, even though I've known that for a long time. But now that we had some facts about it, you can say stuff like it's it's different. And and I think what actually lends the most credibility to me is when I messaged David after the article had come out and just thanked him for telling the story after I had finally had time to sit down and read it and just thanked him. And the biggest thing he cared about was like he basically told me like this isn't about mel this is about the coaching player dynamic and and i need to tell my story so that other players know that they don't have to do this they don't have to put like they don't have to put themselves at risk for the team like that it's not worth it like that's what he was worried about was like making sure that his story got told so other players maybe see this and and take some take some comfort in knowing that they aren't alone in this and that they can they can push back and say no and and not be afraid to talk to their teammates and he's I know he reached out to you Matt about how much other players have reached out after the article just talking about how they didn't know and and all that cuz it's so hard to talk about it in the moment and and that's why we do our our bell let's talk episodes to just talk about how it's okay to be open and honest and talk about this stuff. And if somebody isn't okay with you talking about that stuff, then you probably shouldn't like, you need to find other people to talk to because it, it's, it's important yeah. that we're willing to talk and share and not hide this stuff and keep it yeah, to it, ourselves. It was in our conversation. I wasn't able to work it into the article in a way that felt organic, but we did speak for a little bit about how, he was made to feel like he was crazy for sharing his experience with some people. They were just like, no, that didn't happen. You're exaggerating things. But when the story finally came out and some former players started opening up, he was able to kind of come to the realization that he wasn't crazy. And as painful as it was, he was able to reopen that chapter of his life and re-examine it and hope that his story helps some people move forward. And personally, um, I've gotten some people reach out to me that even though they weren't players that played for Mel, they might've played a different sport at a different level, lower down, but they've got some kind of trauma associated with their, um, their past coach player dynamic experience. And they were like, even though I never got up to that level, it brought me a lot of peace to read about that and know that these things happen and that something does need to change. Some of the players that that were at Tech when Mel came here that were part of the first couple years that he didn't recruit them or he they weren't freshmen when he started that he could claim that he's the reason they came. Like those guys didn't get that help with calling scouts and, and pumping up the player because it didn't give Mel any help to say that a guy that Jamie Russell recruited and brought in made it to the nhl it didn't help mel and it just and it just solidifies the fact that from the mel pearson story the problem is that everything mel did was about what made him look better and and i know it's not like david doesn't want this to all be about mel but so much of what came of everything between the way he treated uh players that had moved on from tech the way he left tech and then everything that happened at Michigan, it just solidifies the fact that Mel didn't really care about 
anybody but himself. And it was all about making his record better. And all he cared about was what helped his resume and everything for him. And it had nothing to do with players or any of that. that. Those were all just the ends to the means of basically making himself look better. And, and it just, it's just frustrating to see that. And I know after the report came out and everything else, like one of my first texts was to coach Sean basically saying, you know, I know I don't agree with him on everything, but I trust that this stuff isn't happening because the kind of person he is, he's too, uh, like you saw his, or listened to probably some of his press conferences the first few years before he kind of learned how to to <laughs> handle the media and, and <laughs> to not and, put his own foot in his mouth. Yeah, and answer, <laughs> answer actually learn what coach speak answers are to questions because he, you know, there's a big difference between being able to say something in front of 10 people in a room after a game, but now it's on YouTube and we can all watch it two I years know. later. So like him learning all of that before he did, like, it's just so obvious that like that, that Joe cares so much about his players that I think he would rather go winless than, than hurt any of them. So like, it's, it's a great feeling from that perspective to know that our program is in much better hands and that the players are, are more important than any one victory. And I think ultimately, too, that's going to lead that, – that will lead to on-ice success. Not that it's the only reason you operate that way. You know, it, it's it, – that's just – that's a, that, that's the markings of someone as a person. Like, if, if you're you – coaches tell players all the time, put, put the team ahead of yourself. And uh, a good coach will put his players before himself. Like, that message goes both ways. Yeah. And it will ultimately – I think it will ultimately lead to success on the ice because – if that's the way you operate and, and you just care about your players more than, than you do winning hockey games, those players are going to do anything for you because you would do anything for them. Whether that means sticking around and not transferring to a bigger school just because they <laughs> made an offer or, you know what I mean? Like it yeah. makes those players want to play for you, which is going to help in recruiting because those stories get around. This is a small world. Hockey is a small, small world. These players talk, they all know each other. If a group of freshmen goes to Michigan Tech and has a tremendous experience, they're telling all the, and, and one of their former teammates says, hey, how's college going in a text or they bump into them. Do you work in manufacturing, product design, or product development? Is your business trying to improve efficiency while also producing at scale? Livonia Technical Services can help. They provide world-class quality improvement training and consulting for failure modes and effect analysis, product development, and cost reduction. All things that could help Northern Michigan assemble a competent defense. If you think your business could use a prevention mindset and reduce manufacturing costs, a partnership with Livonia Technical Services might be right for you. Check them out at LivoniaTech.net. That's L-I-V-O-N-I-A Tech.net. We fund everything a tech hockey guide from listeners like you. You can show your support by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Whether you're interested in question priority, access to patron-only Zoom chats with coaches and players, instat deep dives, extended versions of the podcast, unedited video or audio, early access or commercial-free listening, there's a level for you. 
We also now have 15% discounts off annual memberships with tiers ranging from $2 to $50 per month. Again, sign up at patreon.com slash techhockeyguide. Analytics with Augie was pretty sweet. Oh, I haven't read. I actually, I haven't read his article yet. Yes, it was. I do think we need to. I do think we need to redo that graphic with a EDVX DXDY on it. Yeah, I, that, I think that. that's that's all he really needs to do. Analytics with Augie. I'm really happy we finally got that going. I made a big deal about getting Instat. Took forever to get things going, and I really like the way Augie writes, and I think that's kind of cool because he was telling me about how growing up writing was never one of his strong suits but i thought the way he talks just nails what i want that piece to be where it's just really approachable to get to some like i guess you know no one can see my air quotes if they're not watching this on video but scarier subject and some simpler to understand terms so it's just yeah i'm really excited to have that yeah i i read it I don't think I read all of it, but I did like I did check all the graphics. I thought the we've got to figure out how to get that uh, that shot chart gif to look a little better. But it was awesome. Yeah, it's it's a bit bit fuzzy, but it's nifty. Yeah, and then I and then I recommended I I follow a lot of analytics guys for the NFL, and and I recommended to Augie to kind of change his how he does his uh, expected goals by player on ice type thing and more of a quadrant chart thing. Um, we'll see how that plays out. We could basically do like time on ice versus expected goals and then have like the dot be like the number of shots they actually took kind of thing. But I don't know how easy it is to make that. We can always ask, uh, I think it was Ben Baldwin that does that to ask him how he produces it so that we could do something like that. And I think it's awesome if Augie's able to pull what he's been pulling to to do that expected goal stuff like that, it, it's only a matter of time before we can get our um uh it, we can get an assessment of goaltenders of uh basically expected goals um saved. Like how much better their goals against average is compared to their expected goals against average. So I think that's the next step, and and I and I loved it. Like I think that's great. I think, you know, hopefully Augie can get some stuff done, you know, before we record. So maybe we can kind of be going over some of the stuff he's talking about on the podcast each week, and and talk more. You're expecting another bit of homework before we come on here and make stuff up? Yeah, because you guys don't sure. ever get show show done, do you? I listened to the <laughs> hey, first I listened segment to most of it, it today. Did you? Yeah. I have no. an alarm set to go off at 8.55 on Monday morning so that I remember to listen to the show live at 9. Uh, Monday is, is meeting day. I cannot listen until until 5 usually. I usually listen while we're cooking. Yeah. Which is what happened today. And then the food was done. And, and then I paused it and get the rest of it done. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of the Joe show this week? I think he's doing a good job of tempering expectations in in a in a Joe fashion. He he kind of opened up a vein a little bit at the beginning there about like I really kind of hit me as like whoa with the talking about how you need to work on stuff you're not good at and if you're if you want to play hockey you need to 
commit to playing hockey or if, if you want to play piano, you got to commit, you, you got to commit to it. Right. Like, yep. It, it, I got the impression that he's kind of calling out some players on the team in a way that he thinks aren't committed to the level of, of putting in the time and effort that they need to, to get better at what they're doing. Yep. Well, and I, well, first things first on, on, and I don't, we obviously don't know who he's talking about, but the first thing that leaps out to me is he actively chose to start two different forwards at defense this week over playing uh, Frank Devorny. I don't remember. how. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but whatever. Granted, he's a freshman, but like, I think that says a lot to me that you're starting two guys that were forwards. Now, at the same token, I also thought his talk about um, the transition for those guys and how much, like, Crespi seems to be taking to it and, and like, how good that could be in the end for, for Crespi's career to, like, defensemen do get a lot more space to make plays at times. And I think that could play very well for, for Jake Crespi with the kind of game he plays and, and the opportunity he could make. But you also can't make mistakes and and give up turnovers at the blue line kind of thing either. So, well, Which was our was big problem this weekend for sure. Yeah. And I didn't get to watch much. I literally watched, uh, I guess, part of the – no, I yeah, I think I turned on the game Friday night just in time to see us – go down four to two and basically watch to the end and listen to Joe. Uh, Cause I was traveling for a wedding and then uh, Saturday I basically watched overtime and Matt, I will give you credit for the fact that that was probably the most entertaining three on three college overtime three on th- I have ever seen. <laughs> That it reminded me of like the, ever. it reminded me of like the first year the NHL did it before the coaches started clamping down on basically playing keep away till you get a golden opportunity. It was so cool to watch. And in the but NHL, yeah. if you get a golden opportunity, you usually score. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I guess my assessment on the weekend was Friday. We were playing two players out of position, and then we just got outplayed. It's going to happen with a team that's just going through the kind of growing pains that we are. Where if I, I was going to be more concerned if we had a similar performance on Saturday and we were able to kind of put the pieces together, put together a much more solid effort, and even though we lost a CCHA point, it was a pairwise tie, and not super disappointed in that effort, I think. I think I'd give a C minus as a grade for the weekend, and I think that's kind of fair. Yeah. I think the most disappointing thing to me was, you know, after talking to Harrison about Bemidji State, like we did earlier this year, to see them put up, what, 40 some shots on Friday night, it just didn't. Yeah. And we called the last podcast, if you hate goals, because here I was saying, like, this is going to be the lowest scoring thing this season. And we just get five <laughs> goals dumped on us yeah. on Friday. Nothing Usually, to be- speak. Usually Bemidji gets their couple of goals and they just go back in their, their prevent style defense, you know, where they just lock it down. And they didn't have to. Saw, yeah. they kept okay, scoring so what goals. happened with the overturned cash? Was it, it was cash Rasmussen scored, right? And it got overturned. What, what happened? There? Uh, Kataroth went into the goalie with a defenseman. They both 
were kind of skating backwards into him and uh, they apparently from there looking at it ruled that that Kataroth went into the, the goalie and kind of pushed him out of the way, which would let the puck come back up and, and get popped in. Yeah, I was not a big fan of that goal. I'm usually very pro official and and I just feel like once you watch that, like I could see it both ways. Kataroth does initiate the contact sort of, but he is also fighting with a guy actively while it happens. So I don't it, know. The so, contact's in the crease. Yeah. I don't yes. know. I, I, I can't to argue my that eye, way. To my eye, he had the goalie had enough more than enough time to recover that is, from that contact. That is true, but would he have been able to make a more solid save on the initial one and whatever, you know, the interference did happen. I believe the way the rule is written is that the goalie must be afforded like a fair opportunity. I know I'm butchering whatever language is there, but you know what I mean? Like it's Yeah, no, I'm like I, said, I, can I argue feel like way. Yeah, I, I just feel like the goaltender was afforded a more than adequate amount of time to recover from what happened and try to make a solid save. So I was not a big fan of that call i understand why they did it but watching it i was like i don't know i, I just this is one of those ones that i'm just not gonna see eye to eye with the official on and it did it was a huge momentum swing too i mean exactly. that is where bemidji that started to take the game and, and just ran with it i mean we weren't we weren't playing as well as we should have anyways i think we were doubled in shots by that point right it was like 11 to 22 or something in shots no at, at that, that point, point it felt like when i saw him, i got dinged on my watch that we were up 3-1 on that goal. And I remember thinking, uh, oh, good, we're finally having one of those games that we shouldn't win, that we might actually win. And then, yeah. and then the I next thing excited, I know, I'm yeah. looking at my watch, and it says 3-2 Bemidji, and I'm like, what the hell happened to Tech's third goal? Yep. And then I tuned in, and I was like, oh, this is not not great. And I'm looking at well, the I shot was, totals yeah, and everything. I, yeah. I was in your boat, too. I thought we were going to see a win that we didn't deserve. And I was like, analytics with Augie is going to be fun this well week. that's what i'm curious <laughs> i'm curious to see you know, is, is, how does how does that look because zagi able to pull some numbers out of out of the momentum shift from that you know how much worse or or better did it get right i'm curious um, he's to see what got he's, he's got a draft of the xg chart from that game that yeah, i'd have to remember how to chat. log log in and stuff and i haven't written anything since we started this I mean, my no i'm talking about like i'm gonna toss it like in our slack chat that we talked sure. to uh, yeah so i'm just gonna toss that in there real quick once i all I know is that I was going into the air when the fifth goal started. Literally, I was juggling down the runway on liftoff with my phone in not airplane mode yet as we were <laughs> as we were taking off. And uh, all I thought I was getting to be st- after watching that period, I was going to sit back down once we landed, and it was going to be way worse than five. So I'm glad they managed to stop the bleeding at five because mm-hmm. Bemidji. Bemidji was just capitalizing on any turnover we had, and there were some bad ones, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what happened on those bad turnovers? The cameraman, unlike last weekend or woman, I don't know, managed to follow it, and we saw what happened. So it was a huge improvement over Alaska last weekend. <laughs> Isn't hockey yeah. fun when you can watch it? Right, when you actually see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, I've been saying that. I've been saying that for like a year now. It'd be nice <laughs> if I could just watch some hockey. <laughs> Thanks, Sinclair Media. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But for only twenty some dollars a month, you can watch it, Dustin. No, because my team has really made me want to pay money to watch them. <laughs> you do it for tech. <laughs> Wait, he no, you don't. Never mind. Yeah, that's right. Never mind. No, because I haven't. I haven't. I wouldn't have been able to watch a game yet if I even if I did pay for it. 
I listen. Unless it's the wrong game. Okay. Sometimes listening to Dirk's just the better way to go. Yeah, I do like I do really like that chart. It's nice. Yeah, isn't that funny the... to look at? But it, it makes sense, but I, I feel like listening to Dirk on Friday night, it was difficult to no, that, that that chart makes me sad. Like I could <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I can't wait for everyone to uh... see that because it's just like there's the there's the two tech goals where the XG was ahead of theirs, and then Bemidji just flies off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> on the XG chart there. Uh, I'm surprised Texas is as high as four. I was surprised. I was expecting to see Bemidji's XG to be higher than Tex during both of those first two goals because their shots were so much higher. But yeah, so they it, must the have turn is really also low quality shots. Yes, then. that's exactly yeah. what happened. I was talking about. Uh, have we ever, really seen, have we ever yeah. seen a team play that way? Weird. <laughs> I'm curious if we looked at our instat for the last few years, how bad ours is in the same way. Well, it depends on the game, but yeah, it looks like uh, yeah, we were. Yeah, a graph of, of XG over shots would be interesting, too, in some of these situations. Yeah, you want to shoot yeah. him a message with that, he'd be happy to try to work something out with you. So anything you guys want to say about St. Lawrence? I don't know. I know yeah. nothing about them. I'm kind of sad. It's in New York. <laughs> you sure are a team near Clarkson. Yeah, huh? that's for darn sure. Yeah, I will. I will have more to say after this weekend when but I get, to, true. get yeah. to watch the team in person uh, for the first time. Their in colors a while. are red and white, and I think like some sort of brown or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yep. And I'll be. Uh, I'm I'll be. I'll be curling instead this weekend. So yeah. that's why I can't make it up this weekend. No, I'm excited to get up there, show my my girlfriend around Houghton for the first time, and check out some nice. things. Should be a good time. But that, that I don't really have much to say specifically about it, other than no, I'm just hoping hopefully we, it goes we well at least turnovers. one night. Less turnovers. Um, from the few pictures and stuff I saw, my mom sent over. It looked like the crowd was really good. You know, for for the games, the students were were well well represented. That's good. You know, four standings, four four sections of standing fans. I think my mom I'm said. so happy that happened. I wanted that to happen the whole time I was at Tech, and I think <laughs> I think it was I think it was COVID that really did it because I think just everyone saw students standing, and then everyone thought that's just what you do, and now everyone does it. Yeah, yeah. Rather than it just being the misfit section, I agree. It's it's, it's fantastic. So everyone's cool. like. Well, the reset button got pushed and it didn't go to shit. It went the opposite direction. I know. It's great. <laughs> because nice. I, yeah. my, my selling point at all my Misfits meetings used to be you've got four years to watch hockey like a college student and the rest of your life to watch them like a lame ass. So I'm happy that's finally getting through to some people. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the only other thing I saw in terms of college hockey, did you guys see any of the Alaska Omaha stuff? I saw the little, little the little fisticuff at the line. Highly, line. highly yeah. suggest watching it. Yeah, it um, was it was interesting because the video they... I saw didn't do a great job of showing why it started. I'll, or uh, how. I'll post here. But, this can, you just yeah. check this out when you're done. But it you looks like they like the ref did a decent job of like calming it down, and then suddenly it started back up again, right? I like and it's the like quote. And it just turned into like an all-out brawl, right? The, yeah. quote, the quote from uh, 
from whoever was doing the uh, the audio was a full Donnybrook has broken out at Baxter Arena. And yeah. at some point, the guy was actually calling punches like a boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he was literally like, oh, a left hook. And he's going at him with a right <laughs> yeah. for one of the fights. Yeah, so it, uh, it got interesting. Um, yeah, so what my interpretation of what happened was the first night, uh, the Nooks won. And yep. the celebration like moved toward the, the Omaha bench. It didn't move like towards the Omaha bench. It literally was at the Omaha bench. Like they were <laughs> yeah. in front, backs up against players. Well, Omaha got that that link yeah. I posted, and we should put that, make sure that's in the liner notes. Um, definitely shows Twitter videos of each of the celebrations. So yeah. the Nooks went and celebrated over by the by the Omaha bench. The next night, Omaha went and did the exact same thing right back. And you can see all the lines be coming up here. I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no, we're not yeah, doing the, this. The there's always so much they can do with the whole team. Yeah. As they're pushing farther and farther over. Yeah. This, and this then, reminds uh, me of that, that faithful weekend in the, Madison when I got yelled at Saturday before the game being told that I can't do what I did the night before, which was take my shirt off. <laughs> Sure. And then yet you um, the Badgers uh, won. No, the Badgers won. <laughs> and about five hundred crease creatures took their shirts off. I'm like, all right, go kick them out. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it, it reminds me more of the uh the flag planting a few years ago over at yeah. Barry. You know, that same thing. Awesome. But, but yeah, the refs are just getting squished in trying to hold them off as and then just shove the bubble of all the players over to the side of the bench. And then the handshake line just uh, uh, breaks down. <laughs> it gets uh, interesting. Anything else you guys want to talk about? Um, the Red Wings are America's team again. Uh, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I disagree Tim's with that. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I did. Uh, I did have a conversation with my uh, my Uber driver in Denver who was quite well aware of the fact that they won like everything in hockey last year from the top to the bottom. You know, the, the Avs did the, the, no, the, they didn't win a state. They didn't win the state tournament. And the, that's the only one that matters. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I don't think there's any Denver high schools that play in the Minnesota tournament. There's, there's not a sing There's not a single one that could compete. All right. One minute remaining in the podcast. Well, that should do it for this episode of the Chasing McNaughton podcast. Please check out our Patreon and join by visiting patreon.com slash techarchyguide. We'd love your support at any level, but we've got, and we've got levels all the way from two to, I think our highest level now is $50. And if you sign up for that one, we're going to make a $100 one because there's always got to be a level that nobody's at just because <laughs> there has to be. So um Maybe we'll take a podcast week off, Matt, when they're both gone and do one of our Zoom chats that we haven't done enough of. That could be fun. I don't, uh, I don't want to miss a Zoom chat. Well, then you'll have <laughs> to get up at 4 a.m. for a Zoom chat. <laughs> well, who do you got? Who 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 are you going to be playing? Or who? What's the tech schedule look like? I don't know. You week? look that up while I finish the outro. I will. I'm going to look it up right now. <laughs> Dan Sova could be a fun one. Uh, patrons that are black level or above receive access to extra podcast content, including extended versions of every podcast. Uh, patrons at the gold level or above receive access to our unfiltered YouTube video so you can learn about farming while I get a root beer. <laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Chasing MacPod or at Tech Hockey Guide. You can submit questions through Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. 
we could really use some questions here, guys, if you've got anything about the team or college hockey or for one of our guests. It's it's always helpful to get some questions from you guys to know what you want to hear about. Zamedas had one, but we missed it this week. When did he? Where did he ask? He put it. it he put oh, it in our Discord, and I, I didn't well, see it. Yeah, know. well, that's the worst place to put it, honestly, because I don't get a special notification for that. He wanted to know if CHN had Instat. Oh well, we can't ask Matt, Mike that now. Oh well, and I do remember reading that now and forgetting about it. Sorry, Jay Z. Yeah, so you can submit questions on Twitter, Facebook, and our Patreon. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find the podcast on your site of choice, please let us know and we'll make it happen. Which I still need to remind Perry or tell Perry that it's not on my podcast site of choice for the CCHA one. I did I did catch up on all those while I was gone this week, and that was my when I wasn't watching videos, that was what I was listening to while we were uh, while I was traveling. I'm not all caught up, but it is pretty good. I yeah, they're it. good. I enjoy the format. I like the player interviews style. That's kind of neat. Yep. The more you rate, review, and share, the more people we can reach. So tell your friends if you're going to try something else. Wow. Blah, we don't need that. If you give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, Dustin will read the review. You leave no matter what it says. So let's get some ratings so we can see what you guys have to say. Once again, thanks to our sponsors, Fibke Dental in Rhinelander, Wisconsin, and Livonia Technical Services. Special thanks to Mitch Lake for recording our introduction and our patron saint, Doc McRezen, for his generous donation to get this thing running. We hope you enjoy. Finally, thanks to the thank you notes for all the bumpers in this week's episode. If you like what you hear, check them out at thethankyounotes.bandcamp.com. been listening to the chasing mcnaughton podcast presented by tech hockey guide covering the michigan tech huskies and the ccha